three hours on average a day of outdoor play for kids of all ages. That includes your teenagers and your babies. And it also matches or at least it used to, it matched the screen time in America. That was the average. It was about 1,200 hours a year. So it's kind of like that trifecta of things where if we're aiming for that over the course of a year, not every day because that's not practical for most for most parents, for most families, but over the course of a year, you throw on your RV trips, you throw in the time when you're sitting outside by the campfire at night, all of that, over the course of a year, we're trying to balance out technology with real-life hands-on living. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. We are in bonus episode territory for 2023 here. We actually wrapped up our 36-episode season that we planned on doing, uh, but I don't want to turn the microphone off yet. I still have some people I want to talk to, some interviews I want to do before we take a little bit of a break this winter, and it will be a shorter break this winter. So on today's podcast, uh, I'm going to be interviewing Ginny Urich who is an absolute powerhouse. I, I, I am so thrilled that I have gotten to know Ginny over the past year or so. She reached out to us and asked us to be on her podcast, which is called 1,000 Hours Outside. And I immediately said yes. I was immediately in, and Stephanie and I did. We actually did a couple episodes with Ginny on 1,000 Hours Outside. Now, 1,000 Hours Outside is Ginny's podcast. It's her website. And it's a global movement that she has started to get kids and their families outside more, away from their devices a bit more, and to spend 1,000 hours outside every single year. Uh, she is a huge believer in the power of outdoor time, outdoor play, uh, unstructured play, time in nature for children, and not just for children but also for families, for mom and dad as well, which is something we've believed in for years. So we enjoyed having Ginny. Um, we, we enjoyed being on her podcast so much and talking about her books. I, I just immediately thought, I have to get Ginny on our podcast. And I wanted to have her on to try and inspire us to get outside a bit more as winter is approaching. So I know for a lot of us RV owners, our major hobby is is taking our RVs out and spending time in nature and using our RVs to escape into the great outdoors. But I also have the sneaking suspicion that a lot of us sort of hibernate after we winterize our RVs. We, we shut our RVs down for the winter, and then I think a lot of us spend maybe a bit too much time inside, even though we're outdoor people for the rest of the year. So I invited Ginny on today to inspire us to get outside this winter. And we are going to talk about some tips for getting outside during the winter months when the RV is winterized. And Ginny is also an RV owner, by the way. She has a pop-up camper. She loves to camp in the great state of Michigan. But we're also going to talk about this whole movement she's founded, this 1,000 hours outside movement. We're also going to talk about her new book, Until the Streetlights Come On, which I'm reading right now. It is wonderful. 
Um, the subtitle is how a return to play brightens our present and prepares kids for an uncertain future. It is a wonderful book available wherever books are sold would also make a great Christmas gift for that person in your life that loves the great outdoors or that person that you might want to inspire to get out into the great outdoors even more. So I could not be more thrilled to introduce all of you to Ginny Urich from A Thousand Hours Outside, but I'm not actually going to be introducing her to all of you because I know that a lot of you listen to her podcast already. When, when I was on her show, uh, I got multiple emails from people saying, oh my gosh, I listened to her show and your show, and I was so thrilled that you showed up on her show. So in the show notes to this episode on the RVAtlas.com, I will link to the episodes of 1,000 Hours Outside where Stephanie and I appeared. And I'm thrilled to have Ginny on the show for the very first time. She is just a wonderful source of light and inspiration and positivity for all of us. She's not judgmental. She's not preachy. She's not saying you have to completely shut down screens out of your kids' lives to be a successful parent. She's very realistic. She just wants to inspire us to get into the great outdoors, no matter what time of year it is. And I think this is a great message for all of you RV Atlas people, particularly in the Midwest and the Northeast, who have winterized your RVs and might end up spending a bit too much time inside this winter. Jenny and I want to get you outside and enjoying nature, even during those months when you're not RVing. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring Jenny onto the show and dive into her new book. We'll talk about her podcast. We'll talk about tips for getting outside this winter. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Omnia Sweden. The Omnia is a portable stovetop oven that is lightweight, affordable, easy to use, and perfect for your next camping trip. Just pop it on your RV stove, your camp stove, or another heat source, and you will have an instant oven that can make all kinds of delicious food at the campground. If you can do it in a regular oven, heat, bake, or cook, you can do it in an Omnia. The Omnia requires no installation and works with a variety of heat sources to provide a convenient, versatile way to prepare your favorite foods like breads, pizzas, calzones, quiches, muffins, cinnamon rolls, brownies, cakes, and so much more. The Omnia stovetop oven is also the perfect gift for the campers on your list this holiday season. To learn more about the Omnia and to find great cooking tips and recipes, make sure you visit OmniaSweden.com. And to purchase your own Omnia stovetop oven and great accessories, head on over to BuyOmniaUS.com or Amazon.com. Give the gift of delicious food in the great outdoors this holiday season with Omnia. Hello, Ginny, and welcome to the RV Atlas for the very first time. How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> so good. I am so thrilled to be here. I would say that you and Stephanie are some of my most favorite people that I have connected with through podcasting. I just absolutely adore your books. I love that there's new ones coming out all the time. They have really changed my life, Jeremy. Like we've gone and done some of the really cool things. And so I'm just really honored to be here. And with your listeners, we love camping. We have a pop-up. So I know that's like in the middle between like the tent and a real RV or something, but uh, we just absolutely love it. We're in Michigan where there's a lot of beautiful state parks and we've gotten to really enjoy those. So thank you for having me. A pop-up is 100% a real RV. You are totally <laughs> legit uh, in, my, right. in my world. I mean, you are an RV owner, you are a, a camper 
And I have to say too, like being a fan is, is I'm a huge fan. I was listening to your podcast today. The guy that wrote the uh, Playborhood book. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Play on Neighborhood. I listened to that podcast today. That was such a great interview. And I'm reading your, your brand new book until the streetlights come on right now. Um, and I want to I want to dive into one thousand hours outside myself. So let's let, let's let's back up and kind of talk all things Jenny. So you've got this huge podcast, one thousand hours outside. It, it's become a, a movement, and I imagine it's become an international movement. Really, like this mm-hmm. is not just a like a United States thing, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my uh, favorite uh, posts. I get these ones where people post, and I can't. I don't know the language, <laughs> but they tag. They'll tag a thousand hours outside. And those are my favorite ones because I don't totally know what they say, but I know that there is some other place in the world and they're getting their kids outside. So we're going to do, we're going to do three things. I want to talk a bit about a thousand hours outside so that like people that don't know what that is will know what it is. I want to talk a bit about your new book. And then I also want you to give us some tips for getting outside this winter, because I feel like this is like, you're the best person to talk to, to kind of inspire everybody in like a realistic way to get outside. And I think a lot of RV owners winterize their RVs, like at least in the Northeast and the Midwest where you're from. And like, that's their major outdoor hobby. And then I feel like a lot of us hibernate in the winter. And I don't think that's good. I think we all want to like get outside. But I want to start like, who was Ginny before you started 1000 hours outside? Like, what were you what were you doing? And and what sort of led up to starting this whole thing? That's a good question. I was a miserable mom. (laughs) That's who I was. So I started my adult life as a teacher. I know you were a teacher. I taught high school math for several years. And then I became a mom and stayed home. Um, Really was an honor to be able to do that. And uh, stayed home with our son and I struggled. I really struggled a lot. And I think I went from a place in my life where I was fairly successful at what I did and was expecting to be successful at this and just was not. This was the days of crying all the day and up all the night and just not being able to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And I was pretty miserable, Jeremy. I would say that you know, most days I'm like, I didn't even want to go to bed because I didn't want to wake up and have to deal with it again the next day. And to know that I've got this expanse of time ahead of me where I don't really know what to do with this time. And I've got unhappy little babies. And it was just a really hard season for me. We had even just with one child, and then we had a couple in a row. So we had three under three, and I didn't know what to do (laughs) with our time. You've got this maybe 10 hour for your stay at home mom, if your husband works out of the home and my husband had a commute that was about an hour. So it was like, I had this 10 hour expanse of time to juggle these kids and on no sleep. And so it was just a really dark time in my life where I was bummed because I wanted to love that time. I so wanted to, I had very much looked forward to it and I was struggling through on a day-to-day basis. And then my life changed in one day, one day. I went from, I am drowning to, oh, I just had a pretty good day and I like this better. So what happened was 
I had a friend at MOPS, so I had done all these different programs. That's how I was feeling the time. So I'd sign up for the music, Mommy Music and Me, and the kids' swim lessons. And if you've got kids, you know that when you go to take your kids anywhere, it is a whole lot of work. You have to pack up everything, and you got to try and get them in and out of the program, and they don't really want to be there. And by the time you're done, You are so exhausted, but it's still only 10 or 11 in the morning and you have so much of the day left. So that's sort of how we were living life. And I felt ragged. I I have to, I just stop you there. You write about this so uh, honestly and eloquently in the new book until the streetlights come on. Like that is kind of the opening of the book. And, and I have to say, like, it really, uh, it brought back a memory of me coming home from work one day and I would get home at five thirty or so and you know we had twins and 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 Stephanie mm-hmm. was just kind of like bawling her eyes out like it just had not oh. the day had not like gone well you know and I don't remember yeah. the specific details of like what had not gone well that day but the kids were less than one the boys were less than one at that point yeah and as I was reading you you know describing how that time went for you I felt like oh my god I think that you know, Stephanie certainly had some something of a similar experience at points as well. So that's that's such a it pulled me right into the book, I guess I also mm. want to say is that is that story. Yeah. And but then you said this this day and like, I, I guess most of the time we have these big changes in our lives. Uh, sometimes we can pinpoint them down to a particular day, a particular moment. So so what turned things around? Yeah, one day which is just a wild thing. And sometimes I look back, it seems so happenstance, but I had a friend at MOPS, which I just changed to MomCo, but it's one of those, another program you get together with moms a couple of times a month, they would have childcare. And this mom, she was at my table and she was talking about this woman named Charlotte Mason, who I found out a long time later that Charlotte Mason is from the 1800s, but I didn't know that at the time. Charlotte Mason was this educational philosopher and a lot of her philosophies have stood the test of time. But one of the things that she said was that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day whenever the weather is tolerable. So Jeremy, I thought that was (laughs) the most outlandish idea ever. I don't think that people live like that unless they're camping. When you're camping, you live like that. And you really get to see the benefits of how nature engages with children and captures their attention in a way that most other things do not. And so as a parent, you get to kind of catch your breath. But I thought this idea was ridiculous. And I was thinking about all the programs that we'd done that were 30 minutes or 45 minutes and how it was a struggle to keep our kids' attention for that long. Just those little bits of time. I'm like, well, (laughs) four hours is not going to work. That's not going to go well. But I said I would do it because I wanted to have a friend, and that was really compelling to me. It's hard to make friends when you've got little kids. So back in September of 2011, which may, I I wonder if that's around when you guys were doing your RVing. I wonder if our timeline is somewhat similar. Uh, So Max and Thea were born in 2009, so I had to think about it for a second. We bought our first RV a year after they were born in 2010, and by 2011, Mm -hmm. like, we were out there, you know, like, we were out there camping with them all, all the time. Yeah. 
it's an answer. And so this friend said, can we meet up at this park from nine in the morning until one in the afternoon? And I said, yes, just to be a friend. I thought it was going to crash and burn. I thought it was going to be this absolutely miserable experience because it was this four hour window of time. And we met up at a park that didn't have a play structure. It's just grass. So I mean, this is kind of like a lot how a lot of these campgrounds are. Now you talk about all the cool ones, like the ones I have go-karts and all that, but in Michigan, a lot of the campgrounds are just that. I mean, it's just nature. Maybe there's a small playground, but we met up at this park that was just grass with a creek and it was beautiful. It was a fall in Michigan. And Jeremy, our kids just played. They played they from just... nine in the morning to one in the afternoon. She had two kids that were running around and I had two kids and we each had a baby that we were holding and nursing and the baby would sleep or whatever. And I got to have a conversation with a friend, a full conversation. The kids would come back and forth and get food. All we brought was a picnic blanket and a and a lunch. And then at one o'clock, we packed up and went home. And what I write in the book and what I tell people is I consider that the best day of my life because it was the first good day I had as a mom. And what a day, you know, to have three years of struggle and for it to change in one day. And you said, when you said a full conversation, that word was so like, the word full was so jam-packed with meaning for me. Like that word exploded in my mind because I remembered how frustrating it was when the kids were little that adult conversations and even sentences became so fragmented and, and chopped up. And to, to just have this little bit of a conversation with somebody could almost take uh, hours if, if you were also you know, tending to the kids during that time. So they were doing their thing. Uh, you yeah. were doing your thing, but you were all together. You were outside mm -hmm. in nature and, and you felt a real sense of of relief and calm and, and peace yeah. and, and joy and all those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it was the first time that I was able to catch my breath. You have that exhale. I think that happens a lot of times. Like you set your camp, once your camper is set up, <laughs> then you have the exhale. Right. And so I really immediately changed how we were doing early childhood. And I just really did it for myself at the beginning because I thought, well, if I can be a more composed present person, a mother, that will be a better thing for our family. But what I've learned, and this is where 1000 Hours Outside comes in, over the last decade plus, I have been immersed in research that clearly states that when we take our kids outside and we don't have to do anything, you don't have to set up a scavenger hunt for them. You don't have to lead a hike. You don't have to do any of that. In fact, it's almost better if it's child-directed that when we give our kids time and space to play outside, it helps their cognition, it helps their social skills, it helps them emotionally, and it helps their physical bodies in innumerable ways, not just movement. It's helping their circadian rhythm. It's helping their body clock. It's helping their eyesight. It's helping their lymphatic system. It's helping build their bone structure. It's helping with their fine and large motor. So when they go to sit at school, they're able to hold a pencil without breaking. I mean, it's so many things. There are so many benefits for our kids 
when we let them play freely. And so you've got this podcast of RV owners and it's like, here, this is your hobby. Like, this is so fun. It's so fun to adventure and to go to these different places. And what a cool thing to know that while you're doing that, this is helping your child develop as a whole person. And these are benefits that last for a lifetime. So it started there. It started back in 2011. The number 1,000 hours comes from partly Charlotte Mason, who said four to six hours whenever the weather is tolerable. Angela Hanscom, who is a pediatric occupational therapist who advocates for about three hours on average a day of outdoor play for kids of all ages. That includes your teenagers and your babies. And it also matches or at least it used to, it matched the screen time in America. That was the average. It was about 1,200 hours a year. So it's kind of like that trifecta of things where if we're aiming for that over the course of a year, not every day because that's not practical for most for most parents, for most families, but over the course of a year, you throw on your RV trips, you throw on the time when you're sitting outside by the campfire at night, all of that, over the course of a year, we're trying to balance out technology with real life hands-on living. There are so many things I want to say about what you just said. And I'm like sitting there like, I've got to remember every every follow-up question. Um, so all those amazing things are happening with the kids when you get them outside. And, and the subtitle of the book is How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. And boy, oh boy, do I believe that, right? That you're you're teaching them to be problem solvers, to be spontaneous, to overcome obstacles. And you talk a lot in the book about how, like, we don't even know what the jobs of the future will be, right? right? So this idea of having these precocious kids that are ready for, you know, their career or whatever, well, we don't even know what those careers will be, but we, we want to train them to, to overcome whatever's thrown in their paths, really. And, and you know, I'm far, I've said this on your podcast, you know, I'm far from a perfect father. Stephanie's far from a perfect mother. We both do feel like we've succeeded in raising outdoor kids, and particularly with our two oldest, you know, our youngest we're still, is still a project, um, but our two oldest are outside all the time, five, six hours a day, no problem, even when the weather's not tolerable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see that it's like all of that time spent outside has given them a lot of confidence, confidence mm -hmm. to try new things, to thrive in new environments. Uh, like it's, it's working in their young adult lives. So, oh my God, mm -hmm. amen to everything you just said. But also all these great things are happening with the kids, but for us as adults, like it's almost like you experienced a sense of healing almost mm -hmm. when you had that, that first day right? It's almost like modern life's crazy and hectic. Then when you get outside, it, it heals us, I think. I think that's part of what I'm hearing and what you're saying, because it, it's beneficial to the kids and to us. Right. And I think that's the coolest thing about with the RV community and getting outside and camping. There was generations past where kids played and they played naturally because that's how society was structured. Other kids were outside. There wasn't as much to do. There wasn't air conditioning. There wasn't as many extracurricular activities. Maybe people didn't have quite as much money. I know my mom grew up in a neighborhood where a lot of the people didn't have two cars. And even if they did have two cars, not people, people didn't drive. I mean, it was just a whole different world. And society was sort of set up in a way that had this downtime. And the kids played outside, but the adults did not. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood where the 
you know, there, I had a neighbor that kicked the kids outside. I mean, she would lock the door in the summer. She had four kids and they'd play in the neighborhood. And, you know, I, when I became a young mom, I was actually jealous of that. I thought, well, well, goodness, if I would have been a mom 20 years ago, I could have just kicked my kids out the door and stayed inside all day. But, you know, it hit me within the last, you know, I mean, many years, but my life is really full and your life is really full. I think that's something that jumps out immediately about your life, Jeremy, like talking with you and Stephanie, it's like, you have a full life. You read those books and they're like, oh, wow, there is so much to do in the world. And there is so much to see and so many cool things in places you would never think like Kentucky and, you know, (laughs) all these places you would have no idea, but then you read and you're like, no, they've got this, they've got that. And so what 1000 Hours Outside has done for me is it has given me a full life alongside of our children. And I need that because I sit and do computer work just like you do. You're writing books. I think all of us, not all of us, but a lot of adults have an online component to their life these days, a lot, not all. And so we also need that balance for ourselves too. And I think in retrospect, this is actually a good thing that we can't, it's not really quite the same world to just shove our kids outside. We're going with them. And what a gift. What a gift because we have all of those memories too. And benefit. And so, yeah. So I want everyone listening to to understand like how do you how do you get involved? How do you start participating? Also, where where did you you started it two years after this day, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly in the yes. book? Like did, did it start with uh blogging on your website? Did it start with the podcast? How how did you start to sort of you know, communicate this message to, to everybody. So we spent two years living outside quite a bit. You know, we were doing 18 to 20 hours outside a week with some friends and going with that Charlotte Mason thing. And then I started to read about how beneficial it was. And in two years, Jeremy, we did not run into one other child. We live in Metro Detroit. It's very populated. We saw grandparents out walking on the trails, but we were not running into kids. And so that's when I started to write. It started with a blog. I thought, and I was a math teacher, so writing is actually not necessarily my thing. I have a lot of typos in a lot of, not in the book because there's an editor, but a lot of typos in the things that I do. But to the point of our lives twist and turn now, I think more so than they used to. Certainly yours has for your whole family. You find this passion and your life twists and turns and you adjust to it. And so I started to write in 2013 with a blog. And then it's just been a path. Things grow slowly. They've grown slowly for me. Started a podcast two years ago in August. And that's been a really cool thing. I I absolutely love that part. But um, you get involved just, I mean, there's no sign up. We have, maybe there should be, but we have on our website, which is just 1000hoursoutside.com, we have these tracker sheets that are free to print, and there's all sorts of different ones, and they just have little, you're coloring in for every hour you're outside, or maybe you choose a different goal. Maybe your goal is 500 hours, so each one is worth 30 minutes, but what that's doing is it's a visual. So first of all, you should celebrate. This is a very hard society, a very hard culture to make the choice to set that time aside because there's a lot of pressure to fill it with academics and extracurriculars. So if you're camping, I love your stories, Jeremy, where you say, look, I got home from work and by eight o'clock we're at the campground, we're around the campfire. And a lot, I think there are people that would say that's irresponsible. You know, your kids should be in this. They should be in that. You should be at tutoring. You should be doing homework. But I think this is the most responsible thing that you can do for your child's long-term growth and health. And you make that choice. And 
So you're modeling to your kids, look, this is how you live a balanced life. They're going to have a harder time with screens than we are because it's becoming more pervasive every day. And it's more pervasive than it was a couple years ago, and it will continue to be that way. So the message is we're modeling that. That's what you're doing every time you go camping on a weekend and it's a lot of work and you have to have the meals prepped. You're modeling. It's worth it. It is worth it to pursue hands-on real-life living, and we'll leave the leftover time for screens. We're still going to do screens. Our kids still play video games. They still have an iPad. We still do screens, but it's not our main thing. I love that you're realistic about that and that this is doable. Like that's When I think about that 1,000 hours outside, I'm always like, it's doable, right? Like, the average person can get outside that that much, and uh, so so everyone listening, you know, you want to dive into to Ginny's podcast, One Thousand Hours Outside, which is my favorite type of show. You you interview a lot of major authors in, in this space of you know the great outdoors and childhood play, and these are like great in depth interviews, you know. So everyone wants to to go to the to podcast, dive into Ginny's podcast, and I know a lot of our listeners do listen to your podcast. But the new book is out too. And we've, you know, as we've been talking here about your whole thing, like a, a lot of this is from the book, but let's, let's really specifically, you know, dive into the book until the streetlights come on, which is a great title. It has a beautiful cover. What are we yeah. going to find in the book that everyone needs to go out and grab? What, what types of chapters, um, you, you know, what are we going to find inside the book? This book is a message of hope. And I hope that that's what comes out mostly. It's a message of hope that we can slow down and gain more. And that is the basic premise of the book. The subtitle is how a return to play, how a joyful today still is what prepares our kids for tomorrow. And I think we've gone off track with that. I think that we have sacrificed today for the sake of tomorrow in a lot of instances, for the sake of college acceptance and all of these different things. But I truly believe based off of the research, based off of our experience, based off of even glimpses into other people's lives like yours, that look, we can live this full exuberant existence today. And that, that is the preparation for tomorrow. And so the book includes a lot about play, it includes a lot about boredom, um, you know, that we don't have to entertain our kids all the time. It talks a lot about nature. So the things that we were talking about at the beginning, like how, like, how does it even work? Like, really, if I let my kid just roam in my backyard, I let them roam around the campground. How does that actually affect their long-term development? And it sure does. Katie Bowman is a biomechanist. She says, osteoporosis is a childhood disease that shows up in adulthood. So talking about like kids are meant to jump and land and have impact on their bones and have load-bearing activities. Like they love to shovel. They love to rake. They love to do these things that are heavy work. They like to carry things, even carrying your campfire logs. I mean, this is so good for their, it's called their proprioceptive sense. So you're going to find all of that in the book to encourage you as a parent. There's a lot in the book about light, Light is not just for sight. Light is something that guides our bodies from the from the dawn to dusk, through the night, through the seasons. It's a guide for our bodies. So it is a message of hope. It and what everyone says, and this is what I always hope. I'm not here to dump something else on you. Like if someone would say, "Oh my goodness, I should be letting my kids outside for several hours a day. I am failing." Like that. That is not the tone of the book. The tone of the book is. Hoorah, 
If you got outside for 30 minutes today and you didn't yesterday, good on you. I mean, there is no failing here. They always talk about, people say, this is the best challenge I've ever failed. You know, they say I got outside for 602 hours this year and it, and it felt so good because that enhances your life. So the book is a different approach to parenting. One that gives a lot of freedom and one that gives a lot of path on the back for taking a step back in a world where it's seen as responsible to direct everything. And I love too, at the end, there's like the questions for discussions, like this would be a great book club book, uh, a book to read with a couple other parents and dis- and discuss chapter by chapter. Uh, and the tone is so, so warm and inviting. Uh, and I, re- reading it, I could hear your voice too. You were, you were the, the narrator there. So when did you realize that this 1000 hours outside had become a, a movement, that it had become kind of viral uh, was there a moment where you're like wow this is kind of getting bigger than expected or did it not happen yeah, know, definitely bigger than expected that's for sure well for a lot of years i would say maybe five years most people responded with that's a really odd idea <laughs> you know you're like you're trying they were like you're trying to keep track of how much time you're spending outside what, what? three hours a day what that's outlandish and I related because that was actually my first thought toward it as well and I remember the very first year there were two families that actually did it and they used the hashtag on Instagram which I know isn't quite as popular anymore but there was two other families that used hashtag 1000 hours outside and that was the first time where I was like, oh, someone else did, they did it. They actually did it. And I think once a couple families caught on and really saw that this is a, a simple, it's not easy, but it's a simple solution to a lot of modern day parenting problems that people hopped on board. So it took a, it took a while. And then the, the pandemic, there was nothing else to do. (laughs) Right. So that, I mean, you didn't plan, I mean, that time you started all this before then, but it was sort of the perfect moment for 1000 hours outside. Yeah. Yeah. Because of what else, everything else got canceled. So there was a spike there too. And it's just continued to grow. I think it continues to be an answer to, like I said, a lot of the problems. I think our best days are the ones where we run out of time for screens and it, it's not a fight. It's not a battle. It's not a put that away. It's a, well, my kids are exhausted because they are playing outside all day and they're just going to go to bed. Amen. And this summer went really well for us that way. Where just, it, there wasn't, there wasn't that tension, you know, like, oh, yeah. get off your phone. What? Because they were just outside. You know, they were at the beach, they were surfing, we were camping and it, it, I just wasn't seeing them on their phones a lot, you know, and, and look, now winter's rolling back around and some of those things start to be to be issues again. So I want you in our next segment to just give us some tips for getting outside this winter, right? Um, so we're going to come back in a second um, with Ginny Urich uh, from 1000 Hours Outside and the author of Until the Streetlights Come On, which is available wherever books are sold. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about just like getting outside this winter because it's starting to get cold for a lot of us. And it's that time where a lot of us might want to start to hibernate but I think it's really important to get outside in the winter. I know you agree. Um, We'll be back in a second, but first we have a sponsored message from our friends at Rad Power Bikes. 
With over 630,000 riders, 15 years of innovation, and a full range of e-bikes and accessories for every style of rider, Rad Power Bikes is the e-bike industry's undisputed leader. Rad Power Bikes is changing the way the world thinks about transportation, one e-bike at a time. Rad Power Bikes has options for all-terrain use, city and commuter use, cargo and family use, and they also have an electric folding bike called the Rad Expand 5 that is perfect for RV life and for van life. This fat tire utility bike offers a powerful ride, but it's a real space saver and can be stored in your truck or SUV or right inside your RV. Leave your tow vehicle or motorhome at the campground and head out on your next great adventure on an e-bike from Rad Power Bikes. No matter which Rad Power Bikes model you choose, you will be riding with a rad grin and spending more time having fun and less time looking for parking than you ever have. Head on over to radpowerbikes.com to find the perfect e-bike for your ride style and join the rad revolution today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Ginny Urich from A Thousand Hours Outside. She is the author of actually a bunch of books, but most recently, Until the Streetlights Come On, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. I am reading it now. I am loving it. Um, it's inspiring me, uh, even though, you know, my kids are getting a bit older and I, I feel like we've had success, but I still got a 10 year old in the house. So the book is still really inspiring me. And I want you to kind of inspire us all to get outside in the winter months. Cause I feel like a lot of RV owners shut down the RV, winterize it like I just did. And then we like hibernate. Um, but I don't think that's good. I think we want to get outside when it's cold. You're from Michigan where apparently it gets kind of cold. So, so give us some tips for getting outside in the winter or some things that people in your audience do or that you do in Michigan to, to get outside this time mm -hmm. of year. And I know you guys talk about seasonal camping. In fact, maybe this should be one of your books, right? RVing in the winter. Is that one? That, that, that one hasn't like, come out yet, has it? It hasn't come out yet, but I, I like it. <laughs> so here's the thing. We live in Michigan, and my whole life I have wished that I lived somewhere south. And then I read a book that changed my life called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather by Linda McGurk, which is not true. It's a tongue-in-cheek thing. There is such thing as bad weather, obviously. But the point is, is that in other countries, like she's from Scandinavia, they don't really look at weather so much as good and bad. They just change their clothes. And, you know, even that is a tricky thing. What can people afford? There's a lot of nuance there. But the premise of the book is to look at seasons as what they offer that other seasons don't. And so when I had that mindset shift, and I think that would be my first thing, which is kind of cliche, but a little bit of a mindset shift of what does this season offer that does that the other seasons don't. And we had our first snowfall just a couple weeks ago, and my seven-year-old was over the moon. She was like, we're going to make snow angels. We're going to make snowmen. We're going to go sledding all of these things. We're going to have a snowball fight. You can make these beautiful snowball lanterns where you take one little tea light and you build this lantern with all these snowballs and you put the tea light inside and you can make ice lanterns and ice globes. And you can go, my kids love to go just on ice. You know, you've got a frozen pond and they're out there trying to stand up and people play hockey and they, and they go skiing and skating and and so it really changed my perspective because in the winter, there are so many fun things to do outside and you go on a trail and you, um, you, you can see further and you see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And what really changed my perspective, Jeremy, was, 
you know, I was posting all these winter things that we're doing, like we'll make these ice ornaments, we'll go hang them up. And people started to message and they would say, I wish I lived there. And it was like totally a full circle moment because I used to say, I wish I lived there. And people are starting to say, oh, I want to bring my kids to go sledding. That looks like so much fun. So there's a perspective shift there that it's a, it's a life lesson too, that seasons, even hard ones, have beautiful things to offer. And so we can look for those types of things. And I mean, with the winter camping, I know sometimes people do it. Sometimes the RVs have insulation or whatever the situation is. So how neat you, you end up being sometimes in places where it's not crowded. There's all sorts of cool things. The, the practical piece is that you don't want to wear cotton against your skin. And that is because the cold often comes from being wet and cotton absorbs water and stays wet and you're just soaked. You're sopping wet. So even when you're outside in the winter and it's cold outside, you're moving and you're sweating. And so that base layer against your skin is always going to absorb a little sweat. And so you want something else. That could be a synthetic that costs $5 from Costco. That could be wool. And wool is considerably more expensive, but you only need one. So you buy one, we buy big, we buy neutral colors, and we pass it down for years. So that's kind of how we do it in our family. But the clothing, you know, for many years, it's like we're getting it from uh, the thrift store. We're getting it at mom to mom sale. And like I said, we try and buy neutral and buy big so that we can pass it down. So if that base layer is something that might absorb water and pull it away from your skin, so cotton's going to keep you wet, but wool will pull it away. Wool actually generates heat. It's so bizarre. It'll generate as much heat as an electric blanket. So this is a pretty cool thing. Some people are allergic, so you find what works for you. But, you know, thick socks, warm boots, warm mittens, a balaclava, which is one of those ones where only your face pokes out and it can go down. Uh, it goes down a little bit onto your neck. Those types of things are going to make all the difference. The third thing is we often try and go to places that have an inside option. So in the summer, in the spring, in the fall in Michigan, we have 6,000 places that we could go and do stuff outside. In the winter, we might have 12, which is the zoo, so that you can be outside. And then if it's bitter cold, we can go into the butterfly house. Or at the nature center, there's a place where we can go inside and have our snack. And I think that would work with winter camping as well. If you've got your RV there and you're able to duck inside for parts of it, then you have that reprieve, a place to eat your meal where you can take your hands out of your gloves, that type of thing. And then when, go right back outside. Like right, I, right. I love, that is actually one thing, and winter's not my favorite season, I'm going to be honest, but that's one thing I do love about the winter. I actually love going outside, getting cold, then coming back in for hot chocolate or whatever it is, and then going back outside again and just going back and forth between warm and cold, which... I believe is actually really good for our bodies to some degree to, to kind of experience a bit of the extremes of, of warm and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we're big on that too in this house, like having the right gear. And I don't think you have to spend a fortune to have the right clothing to get outside. And like you said, you just need that one set of outdoor clothing. Mm-hmm. And I, so we've always tried to have, have good raincoats, good winter jackets. And the other thing I would say is, have them all readily available. 
right? Mm. Uh, so that like when when the kids want to go outside on a cold day, you're not scrambling around looking for their gloves or scrambling around yeah. looking for their long underwear. Like you have everything set aside to get outside in the winter. Mm-hmm. And Jenny, to your point, in KOA's um 2023 you know north american and outdoor hospitality report that they put out every year there's been a surge of interest in winter camping awesome it kind of i think has caught people by surprise in the industry because so many campgrounds close this time of year Mm -hmm. particularly in the northeast and where you're from you know a lot of campgrounds close but there is this desire this this zeitgeist desire maybe started in the pandemic but it's not going away this desire to get outside no matter the time of year. I mean, would you agree that it's like a zeitgeist moment for the great outdoors? Yes. And I think some of it may be coming from that book, The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. And Linda McGurk talks about the same thing, that exactly what you said, that when we live at a constant temperature, our lives are very stagnant. But when you have those experiences of really cold to the crackling fire, that feels so much better than just being flatlined all the time. And I do think that we are meant to have those extremes. It helps our kids build grit and resilience. And Stephen Ranella talks about that a lot in his book, Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. So we look at it differently. There are a lot of benefits to getting our kids outside. And there is nothing more magical than a winter bonfire. That's really special too. Agree, agree, agree. And I actually got my um, my outdoor campfire all set up. I, I got my I got my whole station set up. I put benches around it. I just did that was my project this past oh, weekend. I just so made like cool. a really nice area for a fire in the backyard. I want to warn everybody though, something about Ginny. If you're gonna start, you know, listening to 1000 hours outside, if you're gonna read this book, I, I do have a warning. You're going to end up buying a lot of other books. <laughs> Because you are like a recommendation a minute, and I and I love it. I'm sitting here reading your book. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to read this book. And then like four pages later, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to read that book. Um, I mean, you have you have really covered a lot of the literature in in your space. I mean, that's a big part of like who you are and what you do, right? In terms of being a thought leader in this this space of of outdoor play, like. You are really engaged with other other writers here as well, right? Thanks. Well, you know what I think? I love that you brought up your boys earlier and you said they're out surfing and they're camping and they're doing these things. This way of life works for your entire life. And so with parenting, there's a lot of shifts. You learn you learn potty training, you learn reading, you know, you learn these things and things change. But getting our kids outside works from the toddler to the grandparent. And so for me, I actually need that reminder because it's really hard. It is hard to hold the line. Society used to hold the line and it doesn't anymore. The cartoons used to end at noon on Saturday and they don't anymore. So we have a lot on our shoulders. I do think that it enhances our lives quite a bit if we can step in for our kids and for their childhood, but there is a lot there. And so for me, it just helps to get those consistent reminders of why we're doing this, why we might say no a little bit more often to electronics and put in the effort to go adventure, to go RV, to go make some memories. One thing that you wrote about in the book that really struck me, and I had, I to be quite honest, had never thought about this before. And then once you wrote about it, I was like, duh, you know, just one of those moments. You said in previous generations, parents really protected children from controversial issues, adult content, adult conversations. 
But then they'd let him out the back door and just go experience the world and go experience the neighborhood. And t- and today we've we've sort of reversed that, where we're very protective of them going like outside and and playing. Um, but then we just open up the whole floodgates of the internet to them at such a young age with their right. with their devices. And I'm I'm reading that in the book, and I'm like, that is so so spot on. Um, so it, it's you know, look, one thousand hours outside is it's you, it's Ginny, but. There's so many other people out there too that are that are tapping into this this message, and that's what I love about your podcast is you've got so many so many great people on. Um, Thank you, Jenny. This is not going to be your last time on our show. Will you promise? Oh, it's been such an honor to be here, and I actually I can't wait. I we I get to talk to you tomorrow. So I just I, like I said, and I so honest and so genuine when I say this, it has been such a delight to get to know you and, to, and Stephanie and to have read your books. I'm always inspired, always inspired. And I'm always inspired by your camp cooking. I mean, there's so much. You did a career switch. And I think that is so unbelievably inspiring to everyone to know that there's a lot out there. This is what our setting our kids up for is following a path that isn't maybe some straight shot to retirement. It goes where we want it to go and we put in the effort. So um, so thrilled and honored to be here with you and with your listeners. And I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to be back on your show. And I'm so grateful you've had us on your show. You have such a, you really do have such a, a wonderful audience, such a dynamic audience, both on, on social and on the podcast. Uh, people are excited to be to be following you and to be following one thousand hours outside. Tell everyone where they can find you um, on social media. On give us the website again. All those places we can find Jenny. Well, Jeremy, I said I was a math teacher, so that means I'm not super creative. I'm kind of like a black and white type, so is in the box. Don't have that creative thing going on. So everything is 1,000 Hours Outside. It's 1,000 Hours Outside podcast, 1,000HoursOutside.com. We have an app that's been number one. It's like the number one paid app on the app store. It's been that many times. It's the 1,000 Hours Outside app that's got a timer feature, and you get badges. The book, Until the Streetlights Come On, is available, like you said, wherever books are sold. And social media is the same, 1,000 hours outside. I'm committed to do it. I'm committed to do it. I think that, I mean, I think that I probably am close, right? Yeah. So let's just Mm -hmm. make, let's just count it up and let's just do it. Like I I want to do it. I want to know that I'm getting my my 1,000 hours. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I really mean it. I'd love to have you back on the podcast in 2024. I'd love to be here. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.